Father, thank you that we can call you holy, holy, holy. Thank you that you live in us even when we forget about it. So today, please remind us of truth. Remind us that when storms of life come, that it's your spirit that speaks truth into us. Help us to believe it. Because sometimes our circumstances, uh, just, it's not easy. So this morning, may your Holy Spirit encourage every single person here and those listening. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Russ, where's Russ? Are Are we good? All right. Somebody get Russ. Oh, it's spinning. Are we good? We're on? We're live. All right. Very good. Hello, Facebook friends. <laughs> this is great. All right. Today, uh, just forgive me if I get emotional because this is the kind of morning it's going to be. Um, what do you do when you get blindsided? Like we just finished doing a whole series on blindsides, when things don't plan out, when your plans don't go according to plan. So today I wanted to give you something really practical that kind of hit me. Um, I uh, found out my dad's not doing well. He's going to be going to hospice. Uh, he has cancer growing rapidly in his body. And uh, I thought we'd have six months to a year. They said, no, three weeks to three months. So I thought, what? So that, the last 48 hours have been like my head's going crazy. So that's the context if I kind of get all emotional. Just in case, I'm hoping not to because, you know... <laughs> that thing. So I want to talk about the day I talked to him because after the doctor spoke to me and nobody was, they were gently blunt because I said, please speak plainly. You know, tell us what's really going on. And so when I talked to my dad, you know, I said, Dad, you know, uh, you're not getting better. He starts to weep. He says, yeah, I know. And I said, the cancer's growing quickly. He says, oh, I know. I knew before today. He says, what do you mean? He says, I can feel it moving. I thought, what? He doesn't talk much, eh? Okay. He's pretty quiet. He's one of those nice people that everybody likes. So we began to talk about, um, you're not going to make it. And he goes, yes, everybody has to die. And he's okay, you're getting that part. You know, he, he's more blunt than I am. And uh, then he, you know, bouts of weeping and sad because, in fact, he almost cried more that he wasn't going to be able to go back to his apartment. That was, that, that, that did it. That was like a, a shock for him. Um, so, as I'm talking to him, this, this is where it's now been coming to a point. Um, I said, Do you, are you prepared? Are you ready? And he says, yes, but I'm scared. This is a man who has raised his family in Christ, who's taken us to church our entire lives, who's taught Bible studies, he's taught prayer meeting talks, uh, he's spoken at his church, he was on the board, he's a Sunday school teacher forever, um, who knows the love of God and displayed the gentleness of God for me by far. And if you know the story of my mom, that's a huge contrast, okay? (laughs) Big contrast. So, he was the emotional stability for calmness, collectiveness, and gentleness. And so for him, when I, when I talked to him, he said, you know, you can trust the God you believe in. 
And this is what got me. I know, but it's so hard. I thought, what? Dad. And then it hit me. Then it hit me. I couldn't, I didn't see it coming. At first first I thought, does it mean you're questioning your faith? Does it mean uh, you're now not sure? What does it mean? And I discovered he's afraid of facing the God he's been taught. Because we've been taught through history and churchianity and most religions, show of an angry God that must be appeased. And you have to do it right. The idea of you need to make sure you're totally forgiven because if you suddenly die and you're unforgiven, oops, your whole life of faithfulness is a waste. How many have heard that? I grew up with that. He taught me that. (laughs) And I realized it's time now for me to try and speak into his life the very things I'm learning. That God is love. In fact, when I started talking to him about God's not angry, never was, not at us as his creations. He's angry at sin. He's angry at what pain and sin and suffering does. He can't stand that stuff because it hurts us. So there is anger. There is wrath. What does wrath mean? Well, that's another subject. So here, if you've built up your whole life of a cubbyhole that shows you God is this type of God, and you've not heard better news, then this box is actually not good news. But the gospel literally means good news. So it has to be good news. So now I get to teach the gospel to my father, who taught it to me as best he could. He did it with the most authentic love of God. Do I have everything right? Do I have all my perceptions correct? No, I don't. And neither do you. That's a big thing to remember. I'm I'm sorry if I go on a bunch of rabbit trails because it's just been a, a crazy little while. But in light of my father saying, but it's hard. He wasn't absolutely certain. And folks, we may be certain about so many things today. In fact, I have been certain... I read Grace Walk, you know, years ago. I was now certain that this is what grace is. I got it, you know. Before that, uh, I was certain about heaven and hell. I was certain about all these things all through my entire life. Look, Jesus I am certain about. And I'm becoming far more certain about the love of God than I've ever been before. When you come to the end of your life, you're facing absoluteness here, Okay? you're going to ask more questions or you better be. I hope you do. Because guess what? Once you cross over, (laughs) you're really going to (laughs) know. You're going to find out the truth. And I kind of have that hope for my dad too. Once he he passes, he will see the love of God and hopefully he'll go, what? (laughs) No way. (laughs) Well, it's German. No way. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> who knows? You know, this is it's his, his way. But I've been challenged too in, my, in the recent weeks and about dogmatism, about how I present what I teach. 
and I've made the teaching almost more important than loving one another, practically. As in, hanging out, having fun. Because this pastor job thing can really suck sometimes. You know, everybody's got this idea or job description for you. So if we have 120 people here, trust me, I have 120 job descriptions. And they all vary. You know, everybody has an expectation on what my job should be. So when I'm not sure who's to listen to, I'm, I'm focused on what I know, and that is I teach grace and identity. That's nice, but I'm also learning not to argue anymore with people I disagree with. To stop the arguing. And then, as people begin to argue with me, I see what I looked like, and I'm humbled even more. Because three weeks from my death, is it going to matter? Is it going to matter that I have this perspective on hell or this perspective on end times, or this perspective on atonement? Is it going to matter that, that I, I believe, um, okay, I have this, this bent on the understanding of this verse. That's my, I'm standing on that. Is that going to matter three weeks or a week before I go? No. What will matter is, did I love people around me? Do people see me as fun? Like, I know I am, but I, 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 get, I get stuck in this role. Pastor. You know? And I always try and tell people, stop calling me Pastor Mike. I don't mind if the kids do now, because now I have to learn they do need to learn respect and all that stuff. But after you've said it once, fine, it's Mike. I'm Mike. I'm a normal person. You know? I don't call you by your titles. Call me Mike. My role here is not to be sure. Yes, I have to teach good doctrine. But it's to equip you to do the work. And I think the work we are called to do is love. That's it. Any argument you have with religious people of different categories of faith, if you don't have love first, there's no discussion. Because now it's about being more right than the other one. And the fighting, the sparring, and all the Facebook posts, which are ridiculous... By the way, it's not a real world necessarily on Facebook. It has its benefits. But some people are so sucked in that they don't know they're in the matrix. <laughs> Just came up with that. <laughs> I know. A, that's actually true. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do when you face pain and suffering? I'm facing the pain of loss. The blind side that I don't have six months to a year, that's what makes it emotional. It's like, what? Now I have three weeks. And if you're a power of attorney or an executor, how many know what I'm talking about? Yes, that's a lot of work. Let me just say, get your stuff in order ahead of time as best you can. All right? That's a good piece of advice. But my dad's comment threw me for a loop. And when I realized that he has been believing, yes, he believes God is love, but he has this fear because he has this category that he's not sure about yet. And I want to point out some things for you and I to do and learn when we face fears and pain and blindsides. This truth is what I want. This is like a, the foundational truth for all of us. This is it. 
please memorize this, take a screenshot, go online, say whatever. This is super important. When Jesus died, I died. It's personalized. I, I, you, sometimes I'll say, we died. I died. Now you take this and say personally, I died when Jesus died. When Jesus was buried, I was buried. When Jesus arose, I arose. When Jesus ascended, I ascended. Christ is my life. Therefore, I live by faith. His This is big. I want to read you some verses, the ones that are, are there, because now that that's up there, in fact, if you listen, um, you're going to hear all these truths in what I'm about to read you. Let the Scripture speak. Let me give you an example of, of uh, religious arguing. All right? Somebody put a post on the conference. I deleted it. Because... The guy's just trying to tick me off, that's all. <laughs> but, but the quote said this, you need to read your Bible. Okay, I do. So, what? Implying I'm not. Do you hear the arrogance? But the Bible plainly says, how many have heard that? The Bible only plainly says it to you. And the biggest gift I've gotten in the last two years is this. Not that what I believe, I, of course, I'm teaching what I believe. You'd be a fool to teach something you don't believe. Right? Like, hello, integrity here. Uh, the joy I've been sharing with you, this, I've studied this. I'm, I'm wrestling through with it. Yes, but you're not interpreting the Bible correctly. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? I have the interpreter living inside of me. And to me, I am learning this. Not everybody's going to see it my way. That's why we have 44,000 different denominations. Can't all be wrong. But here I'm learning this. But I've come through so many categories of faith. Again, do you remember? I've been a part of many church denominations. I call myself multi-tribal. I've been through so many. You know, Baptist, Pentecostal, um, uh, Brethren in Christ, United Church, Free Methodist Church, uh, um, uh, another Brethren in Christ Church, Christian Missionary Alliance, this church, Congregational Church, you name it. I've been exposed to them all, mostly. Enough to know that each one brings a gift to the body of Christ. And for one tribe to point fingers and say they're all wrong begins with a lack of love. So now, I can sit down with somebody and have a relationship first, then have discussion and talk through some of the disagreements. We may never come to the same conclusion, but I can like them and love them no matter what. If it's about being more right than the other one, we're eating off the wrong tree. We're called to eat off the tree of life. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden was the tree of morals, the tree of right versus wrong. And instead of, well, growing up, my parents would have taught me, stop doing wrong and start doing right. Still good wisdom for like, you're, you're a kid, right? You, stop it. <laughs> that makes sense. But when we use that towards our relationship with God, it becomes performance-based acceptance. It doesn't fit that way. So if I'm arguing with somebody, 
and I think I'm right, and I'm trying to tell them to come over to my side. Now I'm, I'm trying to persuade them more than anything to, because I want to be more right. And if I don't like the argument, I'm going to go study and find other verses that will back me up. And they'll find more verses to back them up. We can have a spitting war of verses. Nobody wins. So let the Scripture speak here. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you going to try and say to me right now? Maybe a verse that you've heard a million times is suddenly going to have a new meaning to one word in the whole sentence that will change its meaning and bring new life to your understanding. And we continue to grow in our own individual journeys. Listen carefully to Galatians 2.20. So as I'm reading, see if you can see the connections because all these verses make this become full. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, this body, earth suit, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Most Bibles will say I live by, say hello for me. Um, most translations will say, I live by faith in the Son of God. That is not the correct translation. The original languages show us that. If you have the King James Bible, it's got it right. It says, listen, I live by the faith of the Son of God. We live by, Young's literal translation says, I live by Son of God faith. It's his faith that we live by. Interesting. So when it says we are saved by faith, oh, now that has a new twist. But I'll let you think about that later. Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Do you hear the past tense so far? Was crucified. Past tense in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we will no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. I can declare you're all free from sin because you've died. You've died with Christ, in Christ. It happened at the cross. Therefore, you are not slaves to sin. Can people make themselves enslaved to sin? Yes. Why do you think God hates sin so much? Because of all the damage it does. It's good news. Ephesians 2. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were dead in our sins and transgressions, even at that time, while we're dead, is it getting that? Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. We're, Look at this. Like, you seeing it? 
so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 1 to 4. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Oh, that's good news. I'm going to tell my dad this. I'm going to read all this to him. I want to see his eyes light up. I want to see him bawl as revelation hits. If it doesn't, it's not my control. Really, it's not your control to make people think differently than you. To convince them. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not yours. He has way too many helpers out there. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at, the, at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Huh. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, <laughs> you'll share in his glory. This is good news. Are you getting the since you have and you have died, you're a new creation? You are a new person. Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live, for to me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Even Paul wrestled with that. In fact, I think the next sentence he said, So I'm having a tough choice here. <laughs> if I live, it's Christ living through me. If I die, I gain. I get to be with him really, really, really. So, attention. And then in Acts 17, Paul declares to all the people in this temple, filled with non-believers, he says, for in him we live and move and exist, even as some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. The Bible makes it really, really clear to me, objective truth, that all of creation is in Christ. All of creation. Anything, everything created is held together by Christ, for Christ, and is in Christ. Don't run off in the tangents as well. Does that mean everybody's saved and going to heaven? Please, your terminology is messing you up. I'm saying what the scripture says. We are in Christ. We are called to believe this or it's no good to you. You will never experience the reality of the love of Christ until you believe. And even then, listen to the promptings that are coming. You have people that don't understand what you're trying to say? Do you have people that don't get it? Good, listen to this then. One cannot give a rational answer for irrational love. One cannot give a rational answer for irrational love. And God's love is so irrational, 
It's scandalous. Like serious scandal. This world hasn't seen a scandal like that yet. And if his love is far bigger and better than we can even imagine, then why do we stop at the places where we can imagine? And create lines. This is what his love is. What if it's better than you thought? That's why I want you to come to the conference. Reality check. Fact. You are a new man. And I use them, that's woman too, okay? It's talking about mankind, just, just in case. And guys, get over it because you're called a bride, all right? There, we're even. That's, that's the point. This is called mankind. You are a new creation. You are a saint, not a sinner. Your identity is saint. Do you sin? Yes. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. But my identity is saint. What has happened in me, the oneness I am with Christ, makes me a saint. Do I always act like it? No, ask my family. That's all. Yeah, yeah, enough there. We have a new motivation now, too. A new way to live. We live by love, not law or relationship, uh, not rules. So we don't, laws don't tell us how to uh, respond to God. His love does. Uh, relationship, not rules, is how we respond to God. Pause for a minute. We are in a local church context, and some people don't get this, so I've got to make this clear. Uh, many people who learn grace think that any kind of rules that are now called law, that's not true. Okay? In this context of local church, your local government and so on, all that stuff, those are laws to govern people and society has nothing to do with your relationship with God. In fact, God tells us in his word, obey these laws. Follow them, or you have pretty Christmas lights in your rearview mirror, you know, with the siren going, you will get caught. <laughs> okay? So the idea of having organizational structure has nothing to do with relational. We try to make that clear here at Hope Fellowship as much as possible. So look, we may have rules that help govern us, like, look, you can't do this, can't do that. The government says, you know, we have to have all of our child care workers trained and police checked and all that stuff. That's law. But that's not law from Scripture. It's a different type of law. Do you understand the difference? Please sort of nod. Okay, because there are some people who say, well, you got rules, too many rules. You're so legalistic. It's like, What? You blended it. You didn't get it. All right, good. We have a new method. Our motivation, uh, condemnation, rededication uh, pattern is not what we get to do. This method of motivating, being, uh, uh, feeling condemned, and then rededicating yourself. I rededicated myself so many times at camp. I became a Christian so many times. In fact, after some of those Christian scary movies, I got saved over and over and over again. Because I just had, just, just in case, just in case, just in case. Which is where my dad gets it from. Did you hear that? Because in the background we think, ah, yeah, but he's still going to get us. He's got you. What do you mean he's going to get you? The going to get you is the wrong picture of the loving God Jesus came to present. No one has seen the Father except the Son. And the Son revealed Him and has explained Him. Whatever Jesus says about the Father trumps all Scripture that has described who God is. Jesus' words 
clarifies what has not been clear through the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. I will trust the words of Christ. Does that make sense? Paul, when he does, hey, listen, here, now we, got some, we have some rules in Scripture. Okay, there's some um, commands. Do you know the difference between commands and laws? Law, you break the law, there's punishment. Command, it's for your benefit. Paul is saying, here's some things you should stop doing. Here's some other things you should do. These are good shoulds. Okay? When you start telling people a list of rules they have to do, you should do this, should do that, should do that, and it's all legalism, I've heard people say, well, then you shouldn't should on them. Stop it. I know it's kind of funny, but that's the essence of what you're doing to people. Putting a lot of crap on them, Christian rules and procedures. But Paul, when he is giving commands, he is saying, look, he begins with who we are and what it looks like. He begins almost all of his letters. If you start to read through them, they begin with the really good stuff. Here's who you are in Christ. Then the next part of the letter. Okay, now let's work out some practical stuff. I hear about this and this and this. Stop it. And here, do this instead. Just as you're developing. Because at some point, you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, not the words. We live by spirit, from spirit to spirit. That's an incredible place to be. The system of religion says do these things in order to become, let's say, righteous. Do these things and you might get forgiven. Say this prayer and he may forgive you. Folks, God has already forgiven us. Doing things for God to try and become something we already are is absolute foolishness. It's like trying to get into a room you're already in. I've heard that one before. (laughs) So my job, my joy here at Hope Fellowship is to keep reminding us of who we are in Christ because it's so easy to forget. Here's my dad, 86, forgetting or perhaps not knowing ever some of these truths I've just talked to you about. I've never had the chance. He's read Grace Walk. He's read all that stuff. So what? The books have no power, people. No book has that much power to transform you. Not even the Bible. Only the Holy Spirit can make a revelation of something he's showing you in Scripture or in a book. Or hear, for what you hear, whatever it is. It's the Holy Spirit who does the transforming. He's not calling us to be in revival, which is re, re-ramp up, you know. Most revivals happen, I know some denominations have annual revival meetings. Because by the time it's about to happen, everybody's so, uh, okay, let's get the saints ramped up again until they wear down next year. Um, Listen, revival wears off, revelation can't. You cannot have something that's been revealed to you be unrevealed. This is good news. Oh, there's no time for this one. Fine. Okay, 30-second sermon. This was supposed to be the entire sermon. And then, okay, it's been a weird weekend, all right? Moses, real quick run. When he was at the, at the sea, God told him to turn around from the water and say, look, let, we're, I'm setting up the king. I'm going to dupe the king into thinking he's going to take you guys all on. So they get to the Red Sea, and suddenly the Egyptians show up, 
they're, they're coming after them, ready to take them out, and they're stopped or something. And then uh, uh, the people cry after Moses. What the heck are you doing pulling us out of Egypt? We should have died in Egypt. Weren't there enough gravestones in Egypt? Now we have to have them in the desert too. Sounds like a church board meeting. No, a congregational meeting. Just kidding. Our board's great. Um, <laughs> right, Drew? <laughs> like all this bickering and complaining and, oh my goodness, we're scared. And by the way, Moses was scared too, even though God told him what was going to happen. And that was within a short period of time and he forgot. How about us? We are forgetful people. And God ended up delivering them. The widow in 2 Kings 4, um, she asked Elisha, hey, I'm, I'm gonna, I got nothing left. And he said, what do you got in your house? Nothing. Okay, let's get more of it then. More? More nothing? All she had was oil. And empty pots full of nothing. He said, collect all your nothings. Okay, here it is. No, no, no. Get more. Go to your neighbors. Go get more nothing. Go get it. What? Go get it. Until finally had all the pails and you name it of nothing. And God does a miracle and fills everything. She starts taking that little oil flask. The one flask she had. Fill, 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 fill. Are you kidding me? Next one. Are you kidding me? It's only this big. What? Fill, 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 until, when did the oil stop running? When there was no more nothing left. No more emptiness. Some of us may not be empty enough. We may have filled stuff in our own lives that God's going to purge because he wants to do a new thing. He wants to take an old wineskin out give you a new one and fill it with his living wine. It might change your theology. It might change your outlook. It might change your direction in life. You might do a job change as a result of all this. Who knows? All because she was told to find more nothing. (laughs) Hezekiah Freaking out. His city's surrounded. We're dead. And the prophet says, Oh, God, will you open his eyes, please? Boom. Opens his eyes and he sees fiery chariots of the heavenly angels all around. He went, Oh, they're dead. <laughs> it's a great story. I put the references up there so you can look them up yourself. I don't have time to tell you all of it. We have Jesus in the garden. He's facing, God, if it's possible, release me from this pain I'm heading towards. Then even on the cross... We talked about the, um, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's a couple of perspectives on it. But the one I'm beginning to like more and more is he's declaring at a place in time, even though he may feel like he's separated from God and all that's hitting him, he's declaring, I'm going to speak the truth anyway. Declare the truth, saying this is the time written about in Scripture, right here in the middle of my pain. Father, forgive them. Do you see love there? It begins with love and ends with love. Not payback. Not being more right. Peter. Jesus did not pray for his deliverance. He prayed for his faith. Through the pain. God did not promise you're not going to have suffering in your life. He says you're not going to face any temptation that's uncommon to man. That's totally different. 
but he never said you're going you're gonna to be avoiding suffering and pain. Never said that, but he promised to be with you through it all. He's not absent. And Paul in 2 Corinthians prays several, several times, God, take the storm of my flesh away. We don't know what it is. There's so many theories. It's actually comical. One sermon could be really funny, all these different categories of what that thorn in the flesh was. Somebody said it was his eyes. Some said it was some Christian leaders who were being a thorn. Some said it was, who knows? Like, it's just so funny. But God said to him, my grace is what you need. And that's enough. Are you okay with that? Regardless of your little hissy fit just now, which you're allowed to do in God's presence, by the way. That's the kind of freedom we have. To vent, pout, cry, swear, kick, scream, all this stuff. It's really possible. Be fully honest. And Paul says, fine. Then I will trust in the grace. Your grace is enough for me in my pain. I may not understand it all. Christ did not ask you or tell you, by the way, church, you also need to come to the place to understand why you're going through what you're going through because that's part of Christian maturity. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. And yet, what's the biggest question we have? Why? Wrong question. It's okay to ask it. But don't stay there. Go instead to who? Who? Who are you? Where are you? and begin to affirm the truth of what those are. This is your daddy. In closing, that one too. I'm going to read this to you from my Bible. Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Listen carefully. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan... I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust him. Pause there. This is great news. I never saw the more and more as good news before. Here's the good news of more and more. That means he can get more and more at home in your heart. You can feel him more and more. He's not absent. This is saying, hey, that he will be more and more at home, feel more at home. Hey, Like, there are some people who don't feel like God's there. He is. They just don't feel him. But as you mature, more and more, that confidence will grow. He'll reveal his love to you, and you will experience the presence of Christ more and more. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And if your roots are soaked in love and drawing nutrients from love... Guess what's coming out? Love. Do you know bitter, angry people? Yep. Guess where their roots are? They've redirected it to their pain. 
People are shot off angry as in they can be ticked off so fast and the short fuses. There's struggle and pain going on in their lives. Sometimes they just hate themselves. It's from anger, internal. But we're told, no. Go to your real source, the river of love that's flowing. Put your roots down into that. And may you have, listen to this, the power to understand as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. And here's the, I love this next part. May you experience the love of Christ. As in, feel it. We're human beings who feel. Don't run from feelings. It may scare the daylights out of you at first, but we're created to feel. May you experience the love of Christ. Here it is. Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I invite you to look up that word filled. I believe it means to be controlled by the very thing that you're getting your nourishment from. Just like in scripture where it says don't get drunk with wine but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember that one? Okay, same word filled. The word filled in that text says be controlled by. Don't let wine and alcohol control you because it can have damaging effects. Instead, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Same thing here. Then you will be filled with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, glory be to God. By His mighty power at work, where? Within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Amen. Infinitely. I forget where I got this from, but it's funny. Infinitely means bigger than the biggest thing ever, then and then some. Much bigger than that, in fact. Really amazingly immense. A totally stunning size. Real? Wow, that's big time. Infinitely is just so big that by comparison, bigness itself looks pretty titchy. It's a British term, don't you know? I had to Google it, I didn't know. (laughs) It came from a guy who felt really small and his smallness and it just means like really minuscule. I know, it's a weird word, but it's funny. Gigantic, multiplied by colossal, multiplied by staggeringly, huge is the sort of concept we're trying to get across here. Infinitely. That's how big his love is. Comprehend that. Is it possible you and I have more to learn about the vastness and farther reaching power of God's love? Don't answer that out loud or not or anything. That's personal. I have stepped into a room in the last couple of years because I thought I had it all figured out in my little thingy and opened the door and went, oh, how am I ever going to explain this? That's where I'm at. 
just because I can't give a good enough answer to some people who are really questioning, so what? You have your daddy, you go to him. My daddy showed me this. So, good news? I'm going to have some really good conversations with my father. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love that we cannot fully understand. So thank you for the little bit we do get to understand and allow us to keep growing in that. May we grow to experience your love in a much more profound way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.